listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm Jess O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist. And my much better half, Brandon Ware, is here with me today. I am. I'm here to provide some excellent advice to all your listeners. Yeah, remember when I said no advice from Remember when you said just sit here and don't say anything? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I I don't even know who turned on your mic, honestly. (laughs) You were just here for my visual pleasure. There you go. Uh, Today, we'll be answering some of your burning questions about sex and relationships. But before we get started, I want to thank Desire Resorts for their support of this podcast. Check out their clothing optional resorts on the Mayan Riviera. And if you're single, check out Temptations Resort in Cancun. Brandon, you've never been to the to temptations in Cancun. I haven't, but I hear that men can go topless. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> People of all genders can go topless there. This is true. Well, we're hoping to check it out when we head down to Desire in the fall. I've been promising you we'd go to Temptation because they just they just remodeled and rebuilt from ground up. Architecturally, aesthetically, it looks really nice. Yeah, it looks like an old white Miami. I might, I might rock a little Don Johnson, a little Miami Vice oh, I'm too, neon t-shirt. Oh, I'm too young to understand that reference. Oh, are you? Really? <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's dive into our listener questions. This first one is a little bit of a long one. It says, hello, Dr. Jess. In 2016, a business coach assisted me on a project. We didn't speak in 2017, but this New Year's, so this New Year's Eve, I texted her wishing her a happy new year. She wanted to meet in January and we had lunch just to catch up. After we had lunch, we started texting one another and I ended up telling her that I had a small crush on her. She was thankful that I told her and then she sent a few pictures from her overseas trip. Then she sent a few provocative pictures and I asked her why and she said that she trusted me and wanted to show me her interesting side. Which side is your interesting side, Brandon? My backside. My backside, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I thought nothing of it. She then asked me about some of my fantasies, and I told her I didn't think it was appropriate. She persisted, and I said, okay, and I told her one of them. She asked if I wanted to proceed with that fantasy with her, and I asked what she meant, and she told me that she had feelings for me. And at that point, I told her, that I understood because I felt the same, but she's married, so it was a no-go. But then, hmm, I asked her to meet and we had coffee. We spoke at great lengths about our situation. She tells me that she is married and her husband cheated on her. As an aside, I feel sorry for anyone that has been cheated on by their spouse. I said to her that I'm single right now and will most likely meet someone in the future and get married. In essence, it would complicate things by being with her on an intimate level. We still text back and forth every day and have gone out to dinner and had coffee a few times. I know she wants to move forward and I'm very hesitant. I think it's because I'm a cancer. Who knows? Okay, I don't know anything about uh, astrological signs. What are your thoughts on this delicate issue? Should I continue with a married woman? Brandon, if I gave you just the yes or no, what would you say? No. All right. Okay. So, 
So I understand you feel an attraction and I understand that you're interested. And if it's true, I understand how she might rationalize an affair with you on account of her supposed husband's affair. Of course, two wrongs don't make a right. But that has nothing to do with you. And Brandon will attest to this. I'm not a brief person, (laughs) but I think I can be brief here. I would say run, don't walk, get out of there. Don't get involved in the situation because it's unlikely to work out in your favor. Uh, Whatever relationship exists between you, even if it's just coffee or dinner or texting, it's not good for you and it's not good for her marriage. So I say cut it out. It's probably holding you back from dating other people and marrying and having kids as you indicated you'd so like to do. So I'd say let her know you want a clean break, cut her off. I think it's the best course of action because it sounds to me like, you know, you're in a position where you could get used a little and it's not your job to help her get over her husband's affair if in fact he had an affair. What were they hoping to accomplish from the onset? That's my question. Like what were you hoping to come out of this by disclosing to that person that you had a crush on them? Because it just seems to kind of keep going on and, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Both parties maybe aren't being completely transparent with one another. Um, Well, I think when somebody says they have a crush on you, they're looking for you to reciprocate and they're looking for validation and you can't help what you feel. I think crushes are fairly harmless if you don't act upon them. But when you open it up, and I think a lot of us have crossed the line at some point where maybe we're just texting or we're just chatting or it's just coffee, but we're getting something else out of it. And if it isn't with your partner's consent, that's when it becomes problematic. So, I mean, there's I mean, we're not judging. Um, but Absolutely, I'm not judging. I should have said that from the beginning. But. Yeah, I know you're not. Uh, but I think, I think, yeah, I think it's probably not a great situation that is not going to end well if you continue to pursue it is is my guess. I don't think it would end well for either side. Of because course. she's she, she I mean, she's in a relationship. He wants a relationship. She doesn't seem to want to leave. He wants something a little bit more um, long term. Yeah, that's a or good I'm point. I'm assuming it's a he. They want something a little bit longer term. Yeah, it's a he. That's a really good point that what he wants, she can't give him. Therefore, he's wasting his time. And that's why I was wondering, even in disclosing to her, I have a crush on you, what were you hoping to come from that? Oh, maybe you're hoping that she'll say, I feel the same and I'll leave my husband. And that doesn't happen that often. And even when it does happen and they do leave their partner, it's often not for the person. They don't end up staying oftentimes with the person that was the impetus for that relationship dissolution. So anyhow, we wish you luck. And um, I would say that if I were in your situation, and obviously you know better than I do because I'm not there, but I, I would get out of it if I could. Agreed. All right. Okay, we have another question here. This one says, how do I get my wife to share her sexual fantasies with me? We all have them and she has no problem role playing. But when it comes to sharing her fantasies, she says that she has none. Married for seven years and would like to spice up, get out of this rut we've been in, any suggestions? So this is really common. Many people I meet tell me that they don't have sexual fantasies. And this may be because they have sexual thoughts, but they don't really flesh out those thoughts to explore them in detail. 
And it may be because they suppress their sexual thoughts because they might find them uncomfortable or at odds with their own political or personal identity. And other times I think it may simply be because they don't bother to explore their sexual desires in depth. And so they don't really consider them fantasies per se. And I think that's perfectly fine. So if she doesn't fantasize, that's okay. That's her prerogative. On the other hand, if she does want to explore fantasy, I think we can offer a bit of advice. But first, I want to talk a little bit about sexual fantasies and what the research says. So there's some research from Ellis and Simons that reveals that fantasies differ between men and women. And so they tend to classify men's fantasies as more lustful, and they they say that men think about a greater number of partners. They tend to value visual images as more important than touch, whereas women's fantasies tend to focus on the response of their lover, and the themes tend to be more personal and emotional. I would say that's true for me. I'm often not fantasizing about what someone does to me, but the way someone reacts to me. Uh, Women also tend to focus on like seduction and the content of their fantasies tends to build toward explicit material more slowly. And of course, there are variations among the sexes. So if you find that, you know, your fantasies differ from what I've just said, that's okay. Brandon, why are you laughing? (laughs) I'm laughing because without disclosing too much personal information, you're like, did you think about me while I was gone for those two weeks? And I'm like, absolutely. What did you fantasize about? Whatever was on the first page of Google. (laughs) So you weren't thinking about me. (laughs) I was. But it's like, uh, it's all about efficiency. Yeah, I know if Brandon watches porn, he doesn't look for any particular what you, porn. What are you looking for? What what really, what, what do you like? What do you enjoy? I'm like, whatever was on the first page because <laughs> I'm so lazy. Whatever comes in the first 22 seconds. Yeah, exactly. So you don't even get to the theme. <laughs> so sometimes it's real weird. I won't lie to you. <laughs> so the reason I brought up the gender differences is that sometimes your idea of a fantasy is different than your partner's idea of a fantasy, and maybe particularly if if your partner is the opposite sex. So the other piece I was thinking is you might want to reassure her that fantasizing about something doesn't mean that you actually want to do it. So if she fantasizes about scenarios that are maybe totally off limits, she may just need some reassurance that it's okay before she shares them with you. And then the other possibility, because I've struggled with this before, is it's possible that she won't open up about her fantasies because she thinks about other people and is afraid it might upset you. Like, I I have some trouble sometimes. Like, sometimes I'm in the mood to tell you things and sometimes I'm not. Oh, it's a page out of your personal diary. Yeah, this was my question. This is yours. (laughs) No. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I could assume that some, it could be the vulnerability. It's like you're opening up to someone and you're telling them something that you're unsure as to how they'll respond or how they'll talk, how they'll feel about it. And that in itself could be a little unnerving. I'm more like, okay, so I'm thinking about a frog, two <laughs> shark teeth, an ice cream cone, <laughs> and a whip. Hang on. Let's go. Hang on, people. I wish he was that kinky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm never, I've never, but I'm just joking around. Yeah. And, and I think if you're afraid that it's going to, if she's afraid it's going to upset you because maybe it involves other people, she might also need some more reassurance. Uh, there was a study I saw out of the University of Vermont that revealed that 
98% of men and 80% of women have fantasized about someone other than their current partner no. in the past two months. <laughs> so don't make fun because a lot of people really do feel that when they find the one, they'll never want anything else. I know you and I don't operate that way. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not the way we operate. We understand that there are other people in this world that are going to be attractive and that may pique your interest even just from a fantasy perspective for a moment in time yeah, or and longer and that's okay. Well, and the really cool thing is, and I'm sure I've talked about this before on the podcast, is that when you share your deepest fantasies with your lover, it kind of, it intensifies your connection and just the act of talking about your fantasies oftentimes leads to sex. Like it puts you in the mood, it turns you on. Yeah, definitely. So it may be that she's shy to share. It may also be that she's not really having any fantasies, and that's okay. Like, you don't tend to fantasize very explicitly, do you, when you're on your own? No, not really. Sorry, very short answer. But yeah. I, I find I'm consumed with other thoughts. So it it oftentimes just is like, okay, now it's time to release. <laughs> Get off. <laughs> let's, let's go to the Google. Yeah. Do you really go to the Google? No, I don't go to Google. You go to YouPorn? I have a selection of very classy sites that I go to. Oh, okay. Netflix, you mean. (laughs) Netflix is not one of them. Well, I'll I'll tell you about Netflix. Uh, Hang on, though. I want to just say that if she really is having trouble tapping into her fantasies, you might want to try buying her a compilation of real erotic fiction and letting her read these real life stories from other women. Some of them are going to be absurd. Some of them are going to turn her off, but I think it can just really get your, I I don't want to say juices flowing, but I think it can get your mind spinning a little and thinking. And Nancy Friday's My Secret Garden is an older version that I really like. It's a book you can buy, Nancy Friday's My Secret Garden. I find it very fascinating. Or you can just look online at literotica.com. So lit as in literature, uh, lit and then erotica.com. But how do you introduce that? In all seriousness, how do you introduce that if you haven't before? It's like all of a sudden you leave four books of erotica (laughs) on the dining room table. Hey, what's up? And there's a candle. And you hope your kids don't pick it up. Yeah. But how would you without, you know, offending that person or maybe, I want to say rubbing them the wrong way, maybe rubbing them the right way. But (laughs) how do you introduce that realistically without, you know, throwing them a bit of a curveball where they're like, what's up? You left me like six books of erotica. Okay. So I'd start with one firstly. (laughs) Well, you said a plethora. Did I say that? (laughs) Or maybe not a plethora, but a selection. Well, I think what you could do is read a story that you like and then just say, oh, I read this story and it was kind of hot. Um, so you can start with one. You can also just turn to porn, right? <laughs> so what if you don't read books, but you look at pictures? <laughs> and what if you don't read books, but you read magazines? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, too. I think turning to porn or even regular movies for inspiration is a good idea. And I say that often. I often say that one of the easiest ways to talk about sex, not just fantasy, is to discuss it in reference to scenes you come across in pop culture. So I saw this sex scene in Netflix's Medici season one last week that I really liked. So I'm going to tell you it. Brandon wasn't with me. So Cosimo returns from Venice to his home in Florence where he left his wife Contessina. And there's this huge amount of tension between Cosimo and Contessina 
and she's kind of trying to reach back out to him and connect with him, but he's been ignoring her and he's actually taken a lover in Venice and the lover has returned back with him to Florence. But anyhow, they're fighting this husband and wife duo. And then with this intensity, he just kisses her and they end up having quick, raw sex without even undressing. And I just, I got so, I love this scene. It, I, it gets me going because I think I really like that they went from anger to lust. I like that they didn't really talk and it wasn't tender. I like that the sex signified a release of tension. And I like that it only took like 30 seconds. Why are you looking at me like that? Go, go. <laughs> 10 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, but like, would you know that I was into that if I yeah, didn't bring I, up that I would scene? N- um, I, I know that you're into it just because of what you've explained to me in the past, where you like the buildup. You like the dance. Um, but this li- was almost the opposite of a dance. But it's the idea that there was a bit of a story to it. There was a the background and there was this raw kind of energy. I don't know. You just explained a long scene. I could have like Googled eight things in that time. <laughs> I know, but the scene was fast. My recap was just slow. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'm thinking for this listener is you might want to reframe the way in which you're asking the question. So if you're asking something broad like, hey, what do you fantasize about? That can be kind of intimidating. Yeah, I agree. To answer. But if you ask something more specific, more narrow questions, like where do you want to have sex? How do you want to feel during sex? You know, what sounds do you like to hear? What words do you want to hear? What setting makes you feel sexual? And then you can start to piece together some of these answers to put together her own fantasy in your mind. Does that make sense yeah, to you? Yeah, that's interesting. Something I, I don't think I've ever asked you some of those questions before. No. Absolutely not. Yeah, don't do it now. Don't start now. So if you're having trouble talking about your fantasies, uh, I'll offer some lines you might want to try to get started. So I think you could simply say something like, you know what I'd love to try, dot, dot, dot. Or there's this thing I've always thought about I'm not really sure why I'm into it, but I'd love to tell you about it. Or I'd love to see you doing this. Or I think you can also frame it as a question, right? Have you ever thought about trying? Blank. Really? (laughs) But Um, also when the person asks you those questions, to reciprocate with an answer that takes you down that path rather than defaulting to a complaint or something else. Like, I think you have to be aware of what your partner is asking you when they're asking you those questions. What do you mean rather than defaulting to a complaint? I think it's easy for, for somebody to say, hey, have you ever thought about having sex on a train? I don't know. I have. Awesome. <laughs> and then that person's saying, yeah, but um, think about all, you know, think about all the extra laundry we'd have to do or something like that. Like, don't the person who's answering the question, Hang on, complaint, what, man, complain, what, man. What train are you going on where you have to do laundry? Not Well, you're not going to do laundry on the train. I'm saying when you get home, you're going to have to do a lot of laundry. The point is, is oh. that the person who's responding rather than like, like don't put up a, a brick wall, like kind of like- roll, roll with it. Understand what they're asking you. So that you too can, you know, go down that path. Oh, rather than making excuses. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I think not a lot about of- the laundry, man. Yeah, I know. It's I, was, about the I laundry. was super confused. <laughs> um, the other thing that I find really effective 
is to ask about their sex dreams. So do you have sex dreams? Nope. <laughs> I can't tell you about them. No, I'm just kidding. You never have, almost never I have never, sex I, dreams. I rarely dream, let alone have a sex dream. Well, you dream. You just don't remember. I don't remember them, yeah. I have really intense dreams. Do you? Yeah. And actually, most of my sexual fantasies start from a dream. Like, I'm very rarely just attracted to something or someone, but then I have a dream about them, and then I become attracted to them. I dreamt the, about you before. The person in the dream is a whole lot better than they are in real life. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's <laughs> you and you it. said you dreamt about me, yeah. so there you go. <laughs> the other thing you could ask is about what they used to think about. So some, but sometimes if you move people out of the present, like if I were to say to you, what did you fantasize about when you were a teenager, you might be more open to talking about it because you were allowed to be vulnerable when you were a teenager. What, what did you fantasize about when you were a teenager? <laughs> well, dating myself now, it's like, you certainly weren't searching for things online. Yep, there wasn't the internet when Brandon the was internet a didn't. We would phone each other on the telemic phone. No, it was like nudie mags, man. I mean, I guess you would fantasize about the people that you were around at the time. I just don't remember much about that. You just fantasized about having some sort of sex. Yeah, just somebody touching me. That was it. <laughs> you just wanted someone to touch you. Sound like penis. I got crazy game. Would somebody please touch me? <laughs> but I do think taking them out of the present... Um, and then just asking them how they feel. So hopefully there's some information there for you with erotic reading, with movies, with porn, with reframing the conversation, and with some of these lines you can use to talk about your fantasies. Anything to add? I think I've said enough yeah. unintelligent things. We can move on to the next question. Okay. So this next listener asks, Dr. Jess, I'm devastated. My girlfriend confessed that she cheated on me last year. It was a one-night thing. She was out with her friends, and she made out with another guy at a bar. She says she's sorry, and she seems devastated, too. She promises it won't ever happen again, and she's already seen a counselor about it. But now, I don't know if I can trust her, and I'm afraid it will happen again. On one hand, I do trust her because we've been together three years, and we've been planning to get married and have kids, also, she came clean and went to the counselor. On the other hand, I'm just nervous that I'm going to get burned. I love her and we have something really good. We get along really well. We laugh. We support each other. And she's just really great otherwise. I feel really good about this relationship except for this one thing. So what should I do? I, you're going to me first? It sounds to me like they've got a pretty good relationship behind the scenes. I could totally um, sympathize with how it would be difficult to get over that. Uh, the fact that she's gone and seen a therapist sounds like she's trying to take responsibility and ownership for it. My, my only advice might be that that person might want to see a therapist too to have a discussion and really understand how they feel and how they can win that or they can build that trust up again with a person or maybe even seeing one together. They seem like they could get back like get back to really good so why did i even bother doing my degrees if you can answer all these questions bam yeah. mic drop walk yeah. away <laughs> yeah i mean trust is a really scary thing and i think the fear of being burned is is universal um we all have a little bit of it because we all want to be loved and we want security and i mean i think i always think that i feel like we have this amazing relationship but i always know that I can't guarantee your behavior, but I think you're right. It's, it sounds like 
even though we can't tell you what to do because we don't really know about enough about your relationship. But I want to just remind you that good people cheat, that great relationships survive affairs and come out stronger on the other end. I mean, it doesn't sound like she had an affair. Um, just because you do something once doesn't mean you'll do it again. And a lot of people really disagree with me on this, but I don't subscribe to the notion that once you cheat, you're bound to repeat. Oh, that rhymes. Uh, <laughs> um, and I see people who cheat and then later commit to a lifetime of a happy relationship. And it, you know what's interesting is I see people who have never cheated and cheat for the very first time after 25 years of marriage. So there's no knowing. And like Brandon said, she's taken responsibility. She has sought support. She's not making excuses. So I say just keep investing in the relationship. And I'm sorry you went through this, but I do think, you know, relationships go through hiccups or even things that feel like roadblocks. So I wish you the best, and um, I echo Brandon's suggestion that it might be helpful to talk to someone yourself as well, just to get some reassurance when you, because you will feel insecure, and this will um, come up again. Absolutely, I'm yeah. sure that it was also eating at her why she sought um, a counselor's assistance. So I think his, assuming it was him, yeah, seeking a counselor's assistance to help him work through it if he can, or if, and if it seems like he wants to, would be a great. Thing to start with yeah good so we wait we wish you the best and then another one this person says jess i'm married i love my husband but when i go out and see other guys on the street or at the bar i just want them more like how i wanted my husband when we first hooked up it has been five years now and i think sometimes i'm not worthy to be married since i think this way I feel like I'm a bad woman and my husband is beautiful and kind of the perfect partner. So why am I always looking at these other guys, even though I try not to? I got a question just like this on, uh, on a boat. I was doing a speech on the love boat in Toronto last weekend and a young woman asked something really similar to this. And what I said was, you know, you're so worthy. <laughs> Don't worry. You're looking. That's all. And the fact that you're trying not to look or trying not to want these beautiful men is probably only intensifying that desire. And it's interesting when you think about the gender roles here because we tend, tend to paint men who desire multiple women as normal and healthy and virile, but we have a double standard because we apply greater judgment to women who do the same. But it's natural to look. And remember that what you're attracted to in these guys is perhaps the physical part. Maybe they're beautiful. Uh, the lust for their bodies. But you're likely also attracted to the novelty, to the thrill, to the threat, to the unknown. And this type of desire tends to be more sexually powerful than the attraction to stability and the predictable. So it may even feel as though your attraction to these other guys is more intense. But remember that it's not actually these other guys. It's just the fact that you don't know them and they're new. And it's curiosity that makes it feel so intense. So people often make the mistake of thinking that they found something special 
when they, you know, feel an attraction to someone new or get a crush, they think they found the one because their attraction and their draw towards someone new is so extreme. But if if you go back and listen to my podcast on the science of passion, you'll get to understand chemically why this excitement will wear off. And, you know, when you feel this, even if you feel a powerful attraction, it's not because they're special. It's just because they're new. And I mean, this happens to me. And this has happened to me, especially when I was younger. You'd meet someone new and feel like it's the one because there's fear of rejection, there's nervousness, and oh, you get butterflies. And those butterflies you feel in your stomach when you encounter someone new, those aren't a sign of anything special or mystical. They're a sign of nervousness. It's a matter of your autonomic nervous system dominating your parasympathetic nervous system, if I remember correctly. So adrenaline increases, you're pumping blood faster, uh, the liver pumps, pumps glucose that redirects the blood away from your stomach and then digestion slows down. And here's the thing, the external anal sphincter <laughs> relaxes <laughs> and it feels like you have butterflies in your stomach, which is not love. It's just your anal muscles <laughs> relaxing. Hey, those aren't butterflies, your butt's loose. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, that was a little bit of a long answer to a short question, uh, but you don't need to feel guilty. No, I mean, not only do you not need to feel guilty, but it goes back to your initial uh, point when you were talking about fantasy play. If she was comfortable bringing this up with her partner, could they not play with it a little bit? Could they not role play a little bit? Could they not get into something here? Yeah, I think a lot of couples can. I don't think everybody's open to that. Um, I think it's probably the most powerful tool you have, which is talking about things you would never actually do. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about how they could role play and, you know, she'd be like, I want to feel those butterflies and relax my anal sphincter. <laughs> but there is something hot in that. Like, like I've talked about threesomes before that oftentimes just talking about having the threesome is hotter. Now, that doesn't mean that her partner is necessarily comfortable with that, but I do think you have to try to get comfortable with discussions and scenarios that aren't naturally in your wheelhouse of comfort. I agree. I do. I have nothing else to add to that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to stop there. Um, hopefully, whether these are your questions or you've just been listening and hope, hopefully there's some take-home value that applies to your relationship or to a friend's relationship. And you, if you think a friend could be helped out with by this episode, please give them uh, give them the link. What are you laughing you at? You know that all I'm thinking about right now is the fact that I'm going to go around talking about, those aren't butterflies, man. You just, your sphincter's relaxed. <laughs> okay. So I just want to tell everybody that now. Brandon has a little anal obsession. <laughs> in the butt. Everything, Everything is in the butt. What do you need to relax before your big presentation? She just put something in your butt. Right. Is that what you do? Absolutely. <laughs> That's why all, all of my toys <laughs> are That's why I look taken. so uncomfortable during a presentation. <laughs> You're supposed to take it out before the presentation. <laughs> oh, this is going to be weird the next time I have a presentation. Now people are going to be looking at me funny. It is. It is. Just use lube. Just use lube. I don't know if I've done a podcast on anal sex, but I've got some really great info on anal sex, and I promise I will not invite Brandon along for that no, one. No, you can't. I'm like a six-year-old. It's just not good for anybody. It's true. You wouldn't think he's married to I've a I've been laughing in the background this whole episode. Yeah, that's why we muted your mic. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, babe. 
Thank you. Thank you to all of you for listening. Please follow along at Sex with Dr. Jess. Please subscribe and share with your friends if it might be useful. And if you have questions, send them in. I They've been piling up and I'm trying to get to them all. But please send them in. And if you have topic suggestions or guest suggestions, I'm happy to receive those as well. Once again, thank you so much to Desire Resorts at Desire Resorts. Check them out. We love them. They're great. Yeah, we're heading down in the fall, so you can check out our dates if you want to come down when we're there. They'll be on the website uh, this week. So thank you so much, folks. Have a lovely week, and we'll be back again next Friday morning with a brand new episode. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.